Hey, what's up, everyone? This is Antonio Neves, and welcome to episode 42 of the Best Thing Podcast. On this episode, I have a fascinating conversation with Ed Lattimore. Ed is a former professional boxer, a competitive chess player, and with his writing and speaking, he has taught millions of people all across the globe. But something amazing happened during his professional boxing career when he got that big fight that every boxer wants, that big fight on national television, and Ed ended up getting beat. Now, a lot of people, they would retreat, they would hide, but Ed Lattimore did something else to transform his life, and it's going to help you look at life in a new way as well. So, hey, before we get into that powerful episode, I want to hear from you. I want to hear your feedback about the show, your guest recommendations. You can reach out and text me at any time at 310-564-7124. That link is in the show notes. And I have some really, really cool news. There is now a Facebook group for the Best Thing podcast where we can further the conversations that we have on each episode. All you got to do is go to the link in the show notes, put in some information, and you can join us for some fascinating conversation. I'll pop in and do live videos here and there and Q&A. It's going to be a lot of fun. And hey, don't forget, if you haven't already, hit that subscribe button to, on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Give me a review for the podcast if you love it, and feel free to share with family, friends, colleagues, neighbors, you name it. All right, without further ado, let's get into episode 42 of the Best Thing Podcast with Ed Lattimore. Welcome to the Best Thing Podcast, where we talk to thought leaders, creatives, authors, and entrepreneurs about how sometimes the best thing to happen to you is the most unexpected. Welcome your host, Antonio Neves. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the Best Thing Podcast, where I talk to people about the best thing to happen to them that doesn't include the traditional markers of success. I'm your host, Antonio Neves. I'm a speaker, author, and coach. And each week I bring on a new guest who has a powerful story to tell that will motivate, inspire, and help you see life through a new lens. This week's guest is someone I first met in my email inbox. A friend of mine thought that we should meet, and I'm so glad that he connected us. Ed Lattimore is a physicist, former professional heavyweight boxer, competitive chess player, and veteran of the U.S. Army National Guard. Through his writing and speaking, millions of people have learned from Ed about stoic street smarts, sobriety, realizing your potential, and so much more. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Ed Lattimore, welcome to The Best Thing. Hey, thank you for having me, man. That was a great introduction, full of energy. <laughs> yeah, man, got, got to bring those positive vibes as we get ready to go. In your introduction, that short bio that I read, you know, I always like to say the internet tells a story, but it doesn't tell the whole story. There's a lot about you that I did not share <laughs> in that introduction. So as I read your introduction, and I do, you know, searches for you online. Uh, I think about the most interesting man commercials we used to see from Dos Equis. <laughs> and I'm like, yo, this dude, Ed Lattimore is maybe one of the most interesting people from based on what I read about you. So here's my question I want to start with. I want to imagine you're meeting a stranger, someone that doesn't know you. They have no context of you. How does Ed Lattimore typically introduce himself to a stranger when that conversation comes oh, up? Oh, man, that's that's a great, great time. Um, a lot of times, I mean, I, 
I'll give you an answer here that's good, but a lot of times I just kind of focus on whatever is relevant or I just I just say I'm a regular old person on the internet and and that's fun. If I'm from if I'm feeling real cheeky, I tell people I'm an influencer. But that doesn't really, you know, sum it up. But but a, a lot of times it is situational. It is contextual, depending on how we meet, whether we meet playing chess, you know, then it makes sense to talk about uh, my my physics background and things like that. If it's if it's stuff in the gym, sometimes it makes sense to talk about even my, my military background. Very rarely does someone get the entire gamut because that that's just, you know, weird. Like that's an abridged kind of bio and that that covers what i've done and i I think that happens to a lot of people maybe not all people but certainly a high number of people because because while i'm not old i don't think 35 qualifies as young uh anymore certainly halfway to the expected you know life expectancy (laughs) so or almost there so uh about halfway down my life on average so a a lot of uh, all i just you know i really try to push myself in the areas that are interesting to me and the things that I couldn't do when I was when I was younger for any reason, whether that be because I didn't have the resources slash money to do so. And this is like as a youngster, you know, I would have loved to take chess, for example, uh, or have been put in a boxing class or even a football class uh, or, or play like pop one football. I didn't do any of that or things that have always fascinated me like like the foreign language stuff we were talking about the the work I'm doing in Spanish right now and, and how intensive uh that is really is really is fun and really is great and it's one of those things I wanted to do when I was growing up but I grew up you know very disadvantaged very poor and so as an adult I'm really just kind of reliving what I think my childhood would have been like <laughs> you know reading books playing chess writing uh, boxing when I get a chance to stay, staying in great shape, eating good food and, and seeing the world. Yeah. I love how you say boxing when I get a chance. And for those of you, when you look at Ed's information online, you'll see a picture with him and Roy Jones Jr., who he was just in the ring with helping him prepare for his upcoming fight to Mike Tyson. I love how you mentioned reliving my childhood. And one thing that society, I think, tries to do to all of us, Ed, is they try to put us in a box. Like, you got to pick pick what you want to do. And I love, as I read your bio, I see about you being a physicist. You know, I see about you being a professional boxer. I see about being a competitive chess player. I know you love traveling internationally. You've been uh, in the military. You're a brilliant writer who has multiple books that have done extremely well. You mentioned the quote-unquote influencer thing. Uh, have you ever felt like Ed, you've had to stay in a lane or you felt always felt this freedom to pursue a variety of things? I understood at a very early age, intuitively, I understood this. So it's something innate that people are more interesting when they're diverse. And I like being interesting. I don't, I have no problem. I'm weird. I'm not an introvert by any stretch of the imagination, very extroverted and and very good at dealing with and interacting with people. But what I learned is that I just hate blending into the background noise, right? It's either going to be a small gathering where me and my closest friends, when I say small, I'm talking like, you know, five to seven at the most, or I'm going to be in a position of, of leadership where people are, you know, reverence, things like that. And the best way to achieve that position and not just end up being someone that is looked over or ignored or pushed to the background 
is by pushing yourself to develop an interesting story, an interesting set of skills, you know, and and I don't want to make it sound like I'm doing it just, you know, to grab attention. It just so happens that the ways I I enjoy life and I love pushing myself, I I don't run, you know, two miles a day for nothing. I do it because I I like to push myself. Plus, it's a good way to listen to podcasts, too. But it's all about how can I continue to be a, 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 a at my best. That's what I want to be. I always want to be the best version of myself. That's one of the things that drove me to stop drinking, for example. You know, I've been, been sober. It'll be eight years. Will it be eight years? Eight or seven. I think seven this year, seven or eight, somewhere in there, right? Yeah, that's cool. I'm starting to lose track. That's actually awesome. And one of the things that drove that decision is I want to be the best version of myself that I can be. I want to take advantage of the opportunities that I missed as a youngster. I didn't have ops, an opportunity to take. And I want to, you know, leave the world a better place than how I found it. Yeah, you mentioned blending in. And one thing I really dig about your writing specifically, I love just looking at your tweets, frankly, man. I think there's an art to how you write your tweets. And one thing that's obvious when I go to your website, when I see the books you have for sale, when I look at your tweets, is that you're not blending in. You are someone that I see very clearly online, man, that are willing to stand out. You're willing to do what most people will not do, and that is to have an opinion and in some way, you know, so most folks don't like to have an opinion and you're willing to say things that may go against the grain. Like I'm going to name the title of two of your books that are available online. <laughs> One is called Engagement is the New Cocaine. So just think about that right there. Listener, whoever's listening to this, Engagement is the New Cocaine. Even if you don't know what we're talking about right there, that's going to elicit a reaction from you. Like nothing you do, bro, is I'm going right. bro on this podcast. It's going to make you just go... <laughs> Yeah. Okay. Like, no, it elicits a reaction. And second, another title that I had to, I have to say out loud because I love it. The crackhead hustle writing method. Like just that right there, you're going to have an opinion about that. So could you just talk a little bit about a being willing to stand for something, having an opinion and how you really, I think obviously you have a method to it. You get people's attention, man. You make people feel a certain way. Yeah. And you know, and, and I think, I think what what is missing there, too, is that I do it in a way I grab attention in a way that is not derogatory, is not antagonistic. Uh, one of the reasons why I've grown the following the platform that I have is that I've figured out how to grab attention without attacking another group. A lot of people can't do that. There's a lot of people who build these followings up based on on rage, politics and and stuff like that. And that is not something I ever wanted to do. I never wanted that to be part of my identity. So I had to think, okay, what is, you, you know, what is unique about me? What's interesting? What's a good way to kind of grab people's attention? And I was not good at this. I had, you know, I'm really fortunate and that some people, saw what I was trying to do, who are better than me at things. And they were like, dude, you need some help. And one of the <laughs> one of the best pieces, one of the best messages I got when I was editing the first book I self-published, I remember one night, internet personality known as Victor Prod, he had a Twitter account. He reached out to me. He said, hey, man, uh, it's a shame your your tweets are so good, but you would do something so dumb as name a book, Twitter poems and insights. That was like one of the self-published. <laughs> that was like a little one that I put out. And I was like, OK, well, I respect what you do. And I've been reading your stuff for a while. So I'm like, I'm hoping this comes with some help. And he walked me through some ideas. And that's how I came up with the idea of the first book. And then from there, 
I just kept getting better and better at it. For example, my second self-published book is about uh, my my struggles with sobriety or rather my struggles with alcohol and the transition to sobriety and what you go through. So I named that Sober Letters to My Drunken Self. That's, that's a, that hits you. That, you know, you feel that title. And so the goal is to always create something that people are not going, that people are going to have a reaction to. And a lot of times you have to walk the edge. You can't be afraid to walk at the edge. That's the real, the real thing. I've actually had discussions with this. I, you know, a lot of, a lot of Ed Lattimore, as we know it is, is the work of, of my web designer slash market guy. Even at bio, he, you know, he figured out the best way to kind of describe me. And one of the things, you know, I take his console is almost as good as my own, if, if not better in some things. But one of the things where I, where I ended up disagreeing, he thought that as I moved closer to mainstream, I should cut back on some of the, the drug references in my in my titles. And his argument was good, but it was from a safe position. And I said, mm. you got to understand what has made me me and what has worked so far is that I'm I know how to grab attention and it juxtaposes so well with everything else that I do. Now, if I was like a mess and was always tweeting drunk or something, okay, who knows, right? But because the rest of my stuff is so on point, that grabs attention. You know, it's not just, you know, how do we know something's cold? Well, we know what hot feels like, right? You right. need some type of contrast and the greater the contrast, the more interesting it is at the very least, the more polar it is. And polarity is how things get moved. That's how attention is grabbed. So I really figured that out. And that is how I do everything. Uh, it, it, my, my entire persona, like, like to call it manufactured is just incorrect, if not downright wrong, but it's intentional, right? Yo, as I look at your tweets, sometimes I look at your writing. You should see me sometimes. It's like I'm over here trying to break down a mathematical equation. Like, okay, <laughs> in this first line, he did this. And then he followed up on the second line. Cause I'm learning from you as I observe you. And you're like, bro, you don't have to learn. You don't, you don't have to learn that way. You can just buy the book. It's for, it's for sale. <laughs> it's easier. Uh, which I'm going to buy that book about that because you do it so damn good. I, I, and I break down how I think in a book too, which is, which is something I think. A lot of people don't certainly, you know, uh, there's a lot of gods out there for how to grow on Twitter. But one of the things that they don't have in common is was for starters, they don't they don't have the following even close and they don't have any other body of work of, of writing. And all Twitter is, is a platform that rewards good writing. If you can write well. And when I say write well, well, like we were talking about, the bestseller list is of of of, of which sales is not always the best written list. Right. Fortunately, a lot of the rules, since no money is being forced to change hands, a lot more rules for what is best written tends to work for what will generate the best engagement as well on Twitter. So a lot of it is looking at stuff uh, that, that, for example, we probably fell asleep during English class in high school learning. All I did, like, like I mean, I'm using the exact terms, the stylistic devices in my course to teach this. But the only difference is, you know, we've got a real medium and I can show you the real results of using this versus not using it compared to what our teachers were trying to do, which is just read this book and trust this is a good idea. And, and I'm going to give you a bad grade if you don't, which takes all, <laughs> all the fun out of it. 
So what I've done is, you know, put the fun back into it, but it, but it, you know, is a formulaic somewhat, but, but there's an art and a science and the, and the science is, you know, the formula, the art is knowing when to break the formula. 100% man. And uh, again, I really love how you write, how you create and something you mentioned um, as you were talking, I want to make sure the listeners don't miss this. You talked about the feedback that you got from other people. And someone told you about the book title and you have your designer you work with. Right. I think, unfortunately, a lot of people, if they got some of the feedback you receive, it, a lot of folks, their first reaction is one of being defensive. Like they, they're not <laughs> open to hearing it. So it says a lot about you, but also about other people if you're willing to be open to feedback. And guess what? Sometimes you will accept that feedback. And there are other times you're like, no, I'm not going to go that direction. I'm going to, I'm not going to be safe. I'm going to keep, as you mentioned earlier, walking the edge. And let's go here for a quick second before we get to the question of the best thing. You referenced your childhood uh, a few times, what your upbringing was like. And there's amazing content online from Ed that you can learn more about him. But I'd like for you briefly just to tell me, one, we mentioned in the introduction, you teach people about stoic street smarts. First, what that is and maybe how your your background, your upbringing influenced that. So the whole idea behind Stoic Street Smarts is, you know, what so what is Stoicism? It's it's non-reactivity. It's it's understanding the world works a certain way, and you have the you don't have control over that. What you have control over is how you interpret it, and so you refine your ability to interpret it. You refine your ability to see uh, what the world presents to you in a non-reactive manner, because a lot of times when we react. Uh, we see things through an emotionally cloudy lens, and that lens is almost not, not only is it a not an accurate reflection of what's going on, it tends to lead to actions which will not improve a situation or at the very least stop it from being bad. Okay, and that's something I had to figure out real early because if if I lost my my temper or I, I flew off the handle and didn't read the room in the situation, could find myself in a very dangerous spot dealing with bullies who are or kids that were trying to jump me, things of that nature. And then that just carries on. Turns out that skill is very valuable in your life. The ability to during the chaos to go, okay, this is happening and I need to come up with a great way to deal with it and to kind of get in the middle of your there's like with that stimulus and then the response. And if you can jump in the middle of that, you, it's like freezing time, mm. right? There's no other way to describe it. And so that's what I try to, to write about a lot. That's where a lot of my writings come from anyway, is is that, that frozen time effect where it's like, okay, I can absorb and take all this in. I can, I can make, or I can take the best action for my future plans, not for my temporary feelings. And I think that's what a lot of people do that gets them into a lot of trouble. They react in a way that's going to ameliorate their temporary discomfort. And I react in a way that's going to set me up for future success. The problem is that a lot of times reacting in a way that's going to set you up for future success is not uh, initially pleasant. So when you, when you, when you, uh, master the ability to kind of look at the short term is exactly that short term and then give it that proper importance and you can go okay how I feel now like we were talking before the um before we started recording and I was like okay what's the worst thing that happen while I'm, while I'm boxing and sparring I get injured okay I've been injured before whatever right I used to tell guys I used to tell guys when I fought I you know they go aren't you worried I'm like okay so the worst case scenario is I'll die right and I have to die <laughs> so 
I may as well get some stories while I'm at it, push myself, grow, develop. Yeah. And, and, you know, that's pretty much how I, how I handled and dealt with all of that, man. Is that, that type of. Approach? Yeah. What I'm hearing you say in many ways, we have to live our life based on standards as opposed to our fleeting emotions, which I think a lot of us are guilty of. Man, a- absolutely. Like that, that was a game changer right there. I mean, how I feel in the moment just isn't important. I, I, and I know that, like, I feel it in my, my bones. And most, some people call that cold. And I'm like, no, that's how I maintain a great relationship with people around me. That's how I have an enjoyable life. That's how I, I have more happy feelings than you have, you know, sad ones. It, it, it is, that's how that happens is that I don't, Given to the immediate, I'm always thinking about how I can make myself better and, and set myself up. Yeah, it makes me think about, like, how do you know when you're a man or when you're really a woman? How, well, you're, we're, we're talking about being an adult. If you're willing to truly right. be an adult, that's what we're talking about. So we got a lot of grown boys and a lot of grown girls right now, but that's a whole other conversation. And you keep mentioning this idea of living an interesting life. It makes me think about a dear friend of mine, a previous guest on this podcast. His name is Bassam Tarazi who you would absolutely love. And I want to connect you to his grandfather told him something a long time ago when he was a kid, he said, live an interesting life because no one wants to talk to an old man who doesn't have interesting stories to tell. Isn't that the truth, man? <laughs> look, that, that, look, if, if you're, when you're interesting, you, you just get a little more leeway. You know, people want to talk to you. People don't like people forget how okay so so forget all the technology or not rather don't forget it i mean remember that it's it's all here but it's all run by people and a lot of these people are boring as hell and that is not a knock against them that just goes to show look man when you are fascinating when you have an interesting story or background uh you you tend to to never be um in want of attention need or favor because the novelty, people are just like, this is a cool person. I need to, to hang out with them. I need to learn something from them. They've seen things I haven't seen and have stories I haven't heard. Yeah, I love that. You said inter- being interesting gives you a lot of leeway. And I can tell you right now, there are moments in my life when things should not have gone my way. But because of that, like you talk about being interesting, they did go my way. I do want to get to this question of the best thing, but I do want to ask you about this. I was listening to uh, an interview. Or no, actually, it was a video that you did on YouTube recently. And you talked a bit about your upbringing, being raised in the projects in in Pittsburgh, but you said something interesting because in society nowadays and every influencer, every coach always uses this language of, I'm going to help you get to the next level, right? One thing it sounds like that that always motivated you, Ed, correct me if I'm wrong, is that not only were you aware of the next level ahead of us, but you also could see the level below you. And most people aren't thinking about the level below. Yeah. Uh, that's one of the cool things about growing up in poverty. You, you, you like being poor is actually kind of cool, right? Uh, being being poor is almost as cool as being rich. Uh, when you, because when you're poor, you know, all your decisions are kind of made for you. Like, th- there's no opportunity cost. There's no uh, production possibilities trade off. It, it, it's all there right you you know you know you ain't got enough for this that or that but you got enough for this that or that and you know how to entertain yourself you know what free food is you know you know and it's always gonna be fun trying to figure these things out you got friends because they all poor too and y'all doing poor people shit. like it's a, it's a good time okay <laughs> when you start to get a little more resources and you have to make a trade-off then you then, then okay then you got a little fear yeah and that fear is healthy because you don't you don't immediately go 
from rags to riches, you know, except maybe if you were like like a super athlete from the hood and then, you know, they you, you get drafted. But most people don't go to that. It's levels. And each level, you can you can look back and see it. Like I always had the odd air because I, I had fed my family, you know, for example, I can look and go, holy shit. Like, like I am super close for a long time. I felt like I was only one or two at the most steps ahead of like, like my cousin, for example, who is, you know, a mess of a human and, and can't hold a job and, and things like that, you know, up to his eyeballs, likely in child support at this point, who knows. Right. And, and I think about all of, all of my cousins that are, that are in jail now or, or went to jail and uncles who are, who are straight homeless at like age 60. And I'm like, like, ooh, I got to make sure I'm like, you feel close to it. And that closeness is nice because <laughs> because, it, because you you understand how frail, how fragile it all is. I mean, yeah, like, like I'm aware of all the time I put in and I, and I know how hard it would be to undo it. But one of the reasons it's hard to undo it is because I've gotten rid of a lot of the bad habits that could undo it. Like, like Chris Rock has a great joke when he's talking about the difference between being rich and being wealthy. He goes, you know. Rich is you can blow that with a good summer and a crack habit. And he <laughs> talks about he was talking about Rick, uh, Rick James was rich, and then he was doing quarterly commercials, right? The, so, so you know, and then the whole point behind that is is I said, okay, like for example, the booze. I'm like, man, if, as long as I, I get rid of that, that's that's not going to be a big issue. All right, let's take care of that. Uh, no illegitimate kids. Okay, great. So I ain't got. I'm not going to be beat down with a child support. Okay, I got, I got a solid relationship. So I'm like. I, I saw the relationship and I don't drink, so I'm not out at, at all hours of the night and I'm not chasing random women that's going to get me into random positions. Got solid, good friends, got goals. Like, like when they talk about, you know, doing something to keep you out of trouble, I think the people that that works best on are the ones who aren't aware of it. Because when you're aware of it, you can figure out how to get around it. But once I, once I realized boxing was probably keeping me from spending more time on the bar, I was like, man, let's lean all the way into this. <laughs> right. And, and keep the, keep that from, from happening. And, and that is, that's really the value of never forgetting how bad it can be. Because I remember how bad it can be. Never forgetting how bad it can be. And just briefly, as you talk about that Chris Rock joke, and you just shared so much amazing knowledge right there, Ed. But I like that Chris Rock joke because he talks about how when you realize how far you made it, and he talks about how Jay-Z and Chris Rock and Mary J. Blige lived in the same neighborhood, these big time stars, <laughs> and their next door neighbor was just a dentist. Like just right. <laughs> like yo, I'm like that an international multi platinum artist, but my neighbor is just John Doe DDS next door. Who like just the difference? That's a whole other conversation. But it's like yo, there's levels and it's just it's, it's wild. Anyhow, so let's get into this question, man. Uh, I like to talk to people about the quote unquote best thing to happen to them that may not appear on a resume or bio. People always talk about getting married or having kids, buying their first home as being the best thing. But I know there are other best things that have highly influenced who we are today and how we show up. What one of those for you, Ed? Right now is my in my life and where I'm at and everything. The, the best thing absolutely was losing the fight on on tv and in particular losing it the way i lost it because uh i got i got stopped knocked out in the first round and that caused my promoter here's here's they were like oh this guy's a terrible investment one second and we got to say when you say on the fight on tv we're talking about a a national fight that's on showtime right where they show some of the, the biggest fights so this isn't some small random local event this is on a big national scale 
Yeah, huge national scale, you know. Um, and I lose that fight, and and I lose it by first round knockout, and and it was so bad, you know. People were like, "Are you embarrassed?" I'm like, "I'm not really embarrassed. I'm more worried about how I'm going to eat in a month because there's not a lot of money in boxing at all." But they were paying me, and it was a good contract. I was with, with Rock Nation, uh, uh, the Jay Z Sports, and all those. Right, I was with them, and I got knocked out. And let me tell you, that fight was in Oklahoma. The next day we got home, so it took about 24 hours. Everything flew out. Uh, by the time I got home, I had an overnight delivery severance letter. Like, peace, nice doing business with you. All right. So, so after I paid, after I paid, wow. <laughs> yeah, man, it was like that. Play, man. The boxing game is miserable. It's rough. So I got home and I, I had I paid, you know, my my coach and my my manager. That's 25 percent off jump. Uh, then I had another debt for some training stuff. Paid that off. And then, um, and then I was like, okay, I got enough money for, for some food and stuff, but what are we, what are we going to do? And it's because I lost that fight and it's when I lost it. I lost it. That fight was September 23rd, 2016. So, so almost exactly four years ago, right? When I, I lost that fight, I took the semester off from school. I was back in school and I said, all right, I'm gonna go back to school. Uh, cause I'm, I'm very close to finishing my degree. Let me go finish that. And, uh, and I couldn't get a job. And this was a big deal because I got, at this point, I've got my military service uh, and, and and my specialty in there, which was about electronics. And I had like real experience. I got, I got an under an associate's degree in engineering. I've got three years into a physics degree. I'm like, I'm not a slouch. My resume is good, but I missed this. And, and it was so good. In fact, I got a lot of offers to work full time. They were like, I'm like, no, I want to finish my degree. I was like, okay, cool. No one would, would let me work part time so I could go to school and finish my degree. Or rather, I could go to school and, and pay the bills. So what this led to is a series of wonderful events. I, I First, I, I put the pedal to the metal and self-publishing my, my first book uh, because I was kind of, I wasn't lollygagging around per se, but I was like, oh, you know, things are good right now. Got this this fight income. So I got that done. Then uh, I signed up for this website, Varsity Tutors, where you like tutor kids and where they need tutors. And it was $17 an hour, which isn't a lot, but it seemed cool at the point at the time. And then it made a difference. And and I took one more fight after that. So I went into the gym and I'm, I'm working with my coach. And one day he asked me, he goes, what are you doing for money now? And I'm like, man, I'm on this site, Varsity Tutors, man. I'm tutoring kids whenever something shows up. And he goes, let me talk to my wife about something. Turns out his wife is the guidance counselor at a, at a fairly decent high school around here, relatively affluent, certainly upper middle class neighborhood. And turns out she's like, hey, if he, you know, we need tutors. If he can tutor math and science, that's good. We don't really need anyone else. And I'm like, are you kidding? That's like all I can tutor <laughs> is math and science. So I got my first client in in January, and I was I charged them twenty five dollars an hour or thirty five dollars an hour. And I'm thinking, okay, because I have no experience. I'm, I don't know how much this is, how little it is. I'm thinking that that they weren't going to say okay because it was too high or whatever, and I'd have to negotiate back. They were like, all right, cool, we're in. And then, and then my coach's wife calls me and goes, yeah, you know, uh, just talk to the, the parents of the, of the girl you'll be working with. And they're really excited to have you work with them. But but turns out uh, she was just worried. She's like, yeah, we're going to do a good job because you're so cheap. Wow. I was like, are you kidding? Right? <laughs> 
But but I did a great job with that. And because I did that great job, um, I got more and more clients to the point I went from January wondering how I was going to pay my rent to June where, where now I've got too many. I had to turn down work in May. Like it was, there was too much. First, I upped my price to fifty dollars, and I had to turn down work. I'm pulling in almost two thousand dollars a week in cash, right? Can I stop you so, for one quick second, Ed? Yeah. Only because before we get too far, there are two things you said that I just got to address that I think are really important, uh, just for listeners and for, for me as well. Is when you lost the fight, and we're gonna come back to you how you how you able to, um, of course, increase your prices, etc. But you mentioned when you lost the fight, your friend said something. People in your community, aren't you embarrassed? But your response was, "I'm worried about how I'm going to eat." Right now, there are a lot of people who have not moved forward in their life due to some type of embarrassment from a year ago or five years ago. Could you just talk a little bit about that? Like, again, being in the moment like, no, I'm not embarrassed about that. I'm going to have to move forward. Right. Because here's the thing. I mean, I expected to lose eventually. Right. And I had losses in amateur. It, the only difference between this loss and all the other losses I took as an amateur is when I was a professional two, they were paying me money. Right. That's it. And I guess it was on TV, but I don't know. I mean, I couldn't see them. I mean, they could see me. So, <laughs> right. So, so it's like, I'm like, okay, that sucks. But the real issue was like, this is my living. And they just imagine, okay, imagine you got a job and you got a bad, you have a bad day at work. Like, whatever, it's just a bad day. You know, maybe you, you're late because there's traffic or whatever, or you, you, you're five minutes late back from your break, or you don't finish a task. And they're like, that's it. All being self-employed is that you get there's pros and cons. Okay, uh, big pros you get to control your time. Uh, you have the ability to scale to effort and and you know I guess connections. But the uh, the negative, the con is that you don't know where the next dollars come. Like, like I mean, you know where it's coming from, but but it's not guaranteed. Straight you know? up, it's not showing up it, every two weeks. Direct deposit automatic. Exactly right. So that, you know, pros and cons of self-employment, pros and cons of job is, you know, the, the pro is that money is coming and your and your benefits are the very least subsidized if not taken care of completely. Con, you don't have control of your time. When you're on a contract boxing, uh, you get the worst of both worlds. <laughs> you get you, you don't get the freedom of someone who's self-employed, but you do get uh, but but you don't get the security of someone who is like like I couldn't travel when I was fighting because I had to always be in the gym and train. All right. In fact, me going to school was a big enough problem because they were like, how are you going to stay focused and train on them? Like, we'll figure this out. But they're not, but, but, but I only get paid when I fight and we saw what happened when I lost that money was gone. Right. Okay. So, so it's the worst of both worlds. Anyone listening, if you look, if you can do anything, anything else, don't don't fight. Uh, and, and briefly, <laughs> something else I have to add on that um, is you mentioned that when you told them your rate was twenty five dollars an hour, they called and said, "Hey, we we like him, and we're a little bit worried because he's so cheap." Was that a moment, Ed, when you realized you had to potentially change your internal expectations? And how you show oh, up? Oh, well, for, well, okay. Not, not. I was going to show up and do a great job, regardless. Well, no, it's expectations of what you can be provided financially or energetically. Oh, yeah, yeah, you know, because because you know, at that moment, uh, thirty five dollar an hour client, six dollars, six hours 
a week, you know, two every other day. I think that worked out to, you know, doing the math right here, boom, 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 six, 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 or two, 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 six, 35. So, so that was like 204, 210 a week, right? Um, that's not, I mean, okay, right. It's not great, but but at this point now, what does this afford me to do first? I'm only working six hours a week. That's, you know, so I can focus on, on my, my very difficult school schedule. Second, you know, the way I was living in, because I'm smart, I'm, I've never, I've never been, you know, my issue was never, ever uh, living beyond my means. Okay. So I was like, you know, uh, so, so, so with that, it was just like, I was saving the money in my drawer, taking it out, paying like a stripper. Boom. Here's the rent money in cash. Then I get another client though for another six hour, you know, on top of that. Now that, that doubles, but I'm, but it's not like the work's any harder. In fact, I discover, and this was the biggest thing I have. a, I really enjoy teaching and I'm good at it. There aren't a lot of people who are good at understanding the concepts of something as complicated as physics and math. And the ones who are, they, for whatever reason, they don't have the ability to explain it. They don't have the patience to teach it. These people tend to be gifted. It's, it, it, you know, the average IQ of someone who studies physics is apparently the highest of all, all the majors. And one of the things that comes with that mm. is the curse of knowledge. You just don't know what it's like to learn, to be a beginner, to not know. I, you know, for whatever reason I'm built, I, I don't have that problem. I, I really enjoy teaching. Like if I was to get a real job, I'd be a teacher. That'll never happen because they they won't pay me enough, and and I'm not never giving up my freedom willingly uh, again. But I really loved it, and the families I met they made made such a difference, and the kids' lives that I would interact with made such a difference. It really revealed one of my strengths that I didn't even know I had to that point, and that was that I'm I'm a far better. Um, educator and and teacher leader or patients all those things that comes with it i have that in spades and it really lets me know uh it, it really explains i think part of what makes me have success on the internet because all i'm doing is, is teaching and taking my ideas and making them palatable or interesting and that's all you're doing when you're trying to get some kid who thinks, you know, who thinks that they, they don't have a math bone in their body and getting them to pass physics with an A. All you're doing is getting them to understand things. And that just goes to show you if the, the, the teacher couldn't do it, the Internet, yeah, right. But you get someone one on one who sits down, knows where you're going to make mistakes and, and how to help you through them. That That's a very rewarding experience. And I would have never ever done that if i hadn't lost and it's possible we probably wouldn't even be talking right now if that wasn't the case and i think not only was the loss that happened but you could have made a different decision as well you mentioned how you had an amazing background you had an amazing skill set but a lot of these jobs that you were qualified for only wanted you to work full-time and i know some people will be like well why don't you take that full-time job you can finish your degree later but your willingness to take a stand and say you know what i'm gonna think long term as opposed to short term that was a gangster move in itself you know, I, I look back at that that time period because something else happened too. Uh, not just that offer, but I actually got another offer for a job. One other offer. It was uh, to work like the books of a hotel, and they wanted me to work at night though. And I brought the idea to my girl, and she was like, "This is the only you know she she she's got say right. I do what I'm going to do, but but she's earned say, and I listen and I take." into consideration everything that she tells me and, and I treat her her counsel and opinion 
highly. And she's like, what's the point of that? How are we going to be spend time together? And I said, and plus, I didn't really want to do it. So, uh, <laughs> so I was, I said, okay, great. And, and it's, it's interesting because I, I look at the time frame of my life and the issues I've had along the way, my own internal, one of the things I did that completely changed the trajectory of my life enlisting in the military, I enlisted, um, well, January 4th, 2013 is when I took my oath. I met my girlfriend September 2012. This this timeline is important. Uh, and I know me. If we had been together maybe two or three more months, I may have felt too attached to leave. And but But I needed to do that. And because I did that, it set me up for the future. How does this relate to the 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 job and all that after the boxing um i knew that if i take those that job i'll be winning the short-term game because we're talking about right before i'll be winning the short-term game I'll, I'll get a job i'll get i'll get a 25 70 i think one was offering like sixty-five thousand without a degree well because the background was older i was like i'll be exact like, i'll be good i won't have the stress but what do I give up? I'm, I'm, I'm not one. I'm not going to finish my degree. Two, if I do, because because I wasn't, I didn't completely, you know, right. I was closer to fighting again than I was now. I was like, I'm going to fight again one day. Let's make that happen. And I still wasn't sure how everything was going to turn out with my writing or my internet presence. And I said, okay, this is a great try. Like, and at that point, that looks like a good move. Like, like it really does. I mean, but I, I couldn't do it, and I'm so happy that I that I didn't do it. And here's another reason why I'm happy I didn't do it. We we were talking about this before the show. This year has been the an absolute show. It has been chaotic. It's been off the chain. And one of the big problems is all the ways of earning a living have been, or, or many of them have been eradicated or are greatly reduced. I was fighting. If I if I had won that fight and kept going, I know guys that ain't fought wow. in over a year. You know because. Because of where they were, they were coming and getting ready for a fight after like five, five, four months off. And then turns out all this gets delayed. And then they weren't at the point where they could they would get on a big show because now all that's left is like, you know, headliners because you want to reduce the amount of people there at the show and all that. And so, like, they're they're in bad positions. But because I, I was I didn't fight, I wasn't relying on that. And on top of that, because of how I adapted to it, my whole game has been location independence mm. and anti-fragile you know in other words you know i can work anywhere uh it's not exactly passive but i can work anywhere and there is a passive element to it and also uh when things are going rough i should be okay like i don't i don't i, I don't make my living in an industry where you know it's dependent on on the price of oil <laughs> or something like that either you want to learn how to write or you don't like you know that that's where i'm at okay Either you got a thing that you want to market and put out or you don't. I'm I'm always gonna be good. And a lot of that a lot of this is because I was not focusing on, on trying to ascend up the world championship ladder and I had other tools to make a difference in my life. Yeah. First all that is amazing. And, and as we get ready to wind down, what I'm hearing you say in many ways, Ed, is one, you lose the fight, a big national television fight. Next day you get in the mail something saying the contract is over. My opportunities yeah. come your way that you potentially could have taken a full-time job. 
But what I love about this is you decided to choose the long-term game as opposed to the short-term game. And what I'm, what I'm really hearing the overarching message Ed, is that you chose Ed. Yeah. You chose you as opposed to society. And as you know, how easy it is for all of us to get caught up in choosing what society wants for us, as opposed to sticking to our guns and knowing what's best for us, because nine times out of 10, if not 10 times out of 10 internally, we know what's the best move for us. It may be scary. It may be walking the edge that you talked about earlier, but you're one of the rare people that stuck with that, even in the midst of being uncomfortable. Absolutely. Like, I knew, you know, I don't know if you know, like in school, you get some money back if your loans are a little higher than the tuition. I knew that I would get back $800 in January. And my plan was like, all right, we're going to do something with that. We're going to figure something out. And but we don't know. I said, that'll buy me some more time. But I didn't have I mean, I didn't have any idea. And, you know, so many things come together. Yeah, it's it's luck. Like I happen to choose the coach and has he happened to choose the wife that was working there but i had to have the abilities and skills to do that i had to go out and tutor and, and teach and it really it really made a difference and I, i'm so happy that i went and put the like just just sacrifices along the way i mean i, I could give you know like, like the, the story in the military i mean that that's really important too uh but, but that takes us down another another uh path and another story the best thing that happened there's so many things and but the commonality behind almost all of them uh when i think about the best thing that happened in my life i i don't think about uh anything that is that is obviously positive certainly not in the moment in uh, best case scenario is that it's something where something bad didn't happen and that's about it Right. It's not so much like, like like another story. Uh, When I was living in Los Angeles, I almost got ran over by a car. Right. And, but now why I didn't get ran over is, is incredible. But it changed my whole projection in my mind. Like, yo, I need to make sure I can do something else uh, in case this boxing thing is taken away from me. And it's not because of boxing. It's little stuff like that. And I think if you if you learn to see the world that way, uh, then you have a big advantage because most people are looking for a lucky break you realize that the break is getting broke getting broke off in you like that's the you get an opportunity to rise or fall and you're not really gonna they call it a selection pressure and evolution for a reason because you are so you're being selected um out of the rest for how well you can handle the pressure everyone else you know gets crushed by it you not only survive, but you tend to develop traits that make you harder to beat and harder to kill. Yeah, man. I think that's a beautiful place to end for that person listening. Don't forget, guess what? You're looking for a lucky break? Look in the mirror because you are your lucky break. As I've said on a previous podcast, you are the life-altering event your life has been waiting for. It's you. Ed Lattimore, yo, I can't wait to have you on for another episode because I know there are so many other conversations that we can have. Thank you for showing up and for sharing uh, what you have. For folks that want to learn more about you, where, where should we send them to? You know, if somebody's born after me with the name Ed Lattimore, uh, they ain't going to be able to do this internet thing. It ain't happening. Uh, <laughs> at least not with Ed Lattimore is the name. Uh, my website is edlattimore.com. My Twitter handle is Ed Lattimore. My Instagram handle is Ed Lattimore. My Facebook is Ed Lattimore. All across. And, and if you, you forget, just go to the internet, type in Ed Lattimore. A bunch of stuff will come up. I'm all there. I'm everywhere. as Ed Lattimore. Beautiful. Well, I'll make sure I link to all that in the show notes. And once again, man, thank you for making time today. 
Thanks for listening to the Best Thing Podcast with Antonio Neves. Join us next week for more stories that'll help you see the world through a new lens. For more resources, go to theantonioneves.com. If you enjoyed this podcast, we ask that you share with a friend and be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. 